current events. Cutting edge. Faith. It's, it's awesome. Encouragement on the go. <laughs> it's the SOS Radio Podcast. We're about to blow your mind on Easter week. I'm Scott on SOS Radio. We're celebrating the resurrection, and we're talking with Donya Greenberg. She serves as president of the Tree of Life Bible Society. You're a messianic organization that really digs into the Jewish perspective on the Word. I know a lot of times in our churches, we always think Jesus first, and Jesus is the Messiah, and he fulfills the covenants of the Old Testament. But a lot of times, I don't think we realize it, but maybe we just sort of take this perspective that he's abolished the covenants. It's not about that. It's about fulfillment, right? We believe that Yeshua the Messiah, he died and rose again on the third day. We know that this is true. We know it in our hearts. We know it in our own born again experience. But why is it that we believe that blood covers sin? Why is it that we believe that? Well, we learn about it in Leviticus, which is in what the Jews would call the Torah. But the idea of the blood of Jesus cleansing you is because your blood is cleansing you right now. The blood flowing between your heart and your mind is cleaning your body right now of impurities. Blood cleanses. It saves lives. And the blood that God provides is alive in us. And the blood of Yeshua is alive in us when we receive him as Messiah. The blood's put on the doorpost of our house, and it, it saves our whole household. It saves our family tree. But that starts because... That blood was shed in the garden at the first sin. It was shed with Noah when they did the sacrificial Thanksgiving offering. Then it was shed when Abram made his covenant with God. And then Moses, right, sprinkled the blood all over the people. And that's why we believe, because the blood covenant is not a once and for all unless it was the final in a long line of history that God has had with the people that he's called his own. It's so fascinating because you talk about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, but there's actually, what, about five different covenants of the Old Testament? There's one with five guideposts. There's one with five stop signs. It's like a stop. It's like a rest in a musical score, right? So there's one covenant because it's the same one promised again and again, but it's got to be reaffirmed with every life. It's got to be reaffirmed with everyone that wants to be part of eternal life. Yeah, so there was a covenant with Noah, there's a covenant with David, there's a covenant with Abraham, covenant with Moses, and of course there's the Messianic covenant. This is like my favorite verse in the Bible, is Jeremiah 31 through 33. And it talks about that he'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah after those days. He says, and it won't be like the covenant of their forefathers when he took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. It would be a new covenant. And in that new covenant, there'd be forgiveness of sin and that we would all come to know him. And that's really what everybody wants, is they want to know God. They want to figure out where that sacred place is, where they can get so close to God, they can feel his breath on us, his breath in us. And that blood covenant is something that is priceless to us. It's a price that's already been paid, so there's no way to pay it again. And once you know it, you can't unknow it. And so that's what backsliding is, is when you feel like you're falling away from God, that's because you're always walking toward him. Time is always moving forward. So the covenant is always moving forward, and you get to join the journey of Israel. That's the cool part. We all get to be part of the commonwealth of Israel. Yeah, and it's so interesting, too, because in Ezekiel it says, this new covenant will be written on your heart. The law will be written on your heart. It doesn't necessarily abolish the law. Jesus fulfills all that. That's exactly right. And so if you think about it, those four stop signs that are earlier, you know, in the Old Testament, you know that this week is the week of where the stop sign is when we, <laughs> when we recognize that it's Passover, right? But the four other times, the four other stop signs, they're all within the first 
already written about in the Bible by, I think it's like Exodus 24. Exodus 24 is maybe the coolest chapter in the whole Bible. You've got to check out Exodus 24 and then compare that to what you know Jesus did at Calvary. And you'll just, it's just amazing. We're talking to Donya Greenberg, and she's president of the Tree of Life Bible Society. When you come from a Jewish heritage, you really have a fresh understanding of Passover that I think a lot of our churches sort of miss. Tell us what modern Christianity has just kind of glossed over with Passover that's still so significant today. I'm married to a Jewish guy. I did not know I was Jewish. I just found out relatively recently, although my kids have been telling me forever, they knew that I was. But I totally, you know, my kids are Jewish, so they're very into all this. So they were raised doing Passover. But I learned Passover when I was a grown adult, and I went to my first service with my Jewish husband. And I had my first Passover Seder there, and I remember making one of these special foods you have on Passover that's supposed to represent the mortar or the bricks, you know, made without straw in the Moses story. So I'm making this concoction of apples and honey and nuts and grape juice, and I'm mixing it all up together while I'm watching Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments, and I'm having this total breakdown, like freaking out, thinking, oh my gosh, this story's like really true. Like we're really celebrating it. Like right now at dinner, it was so, people don't understand that the presence of God is just as strong as today as it was the day that Jesus rose, as it was the day that Moses set the Israelites free. This is the power of God moving in our lives, and this is the yearly commemoration of our salvation experience. And everybody gets to be saved. Everybody gets to have that relationship with God because Passover commemorates it right in your own home. Like It's kind of like dinner theater, like Jewish dinner theater. It's kind of fun. <laughs> I love that analogy. <laughs> you know, it's like we can't know where we're going unless we understand where we came from. And you and a group of Bible scholars helped craft the Tree of Life version, which is a messianic perspective on the Bible. It really highlights the Hebrew roots of faith. Can you share a little bit about why you had a heart to share that? with us? Yeah, I'm really desperate to see people get a more centrist view of their faith, okay? I'm really not into the extremism of always questioning your faith and wondering if you're doing it right. God really, really, really loves us, and He's been trying to tell the same message to mankind from the couple in the garden to the time with Noah, to the time of Abraham, from Abraham to Moses, from Moses to Yeshua. He's been trying to say, I love you. I want you back. You're my children. This isn't that difficult. Give me your heart and I'll give you eternal life. I'm with you forever. He just loves us, loves us, loves us. And he's not trying to make life difficult for us. So when the Jewish people started getting saved in the 60s, like crazy on mass, we started getting saved. I don't even know why God was so gracious. He just was. And there was this giant move, the Jesus movement caused Jews to come to faith. And when they did, and of course, they're back in the land, and that's, you know, everybody's seeing prophecy fulfilled in our day. And so those guys eventually, it's been years since then, they grew up and became PhDs. And then they're like, well, wait a second. The Bible isn't even in the right order. Like the Jewish order of the Bible is different than the Christian order. Same books, but different order. So we started to just kind of reverse engineer the Bible back to the way that it was originally intended, which is that the prophets and the writings are not all jumbled up together, but they're put together in a very orderly fashion. There's the prophetic writings and the prophecies and then the writings. So it's prophetic writings. So every time a prophet would speak, and you cross-reference that with the time in history that the historian in the Bible was writing about, that's when you start to see the divine intersections that make your life sacred. And that's why I wrote Simply Sacred. 
We're talking to Donya Greenberg, and she serves as president for the Tree of Life Bible Society. And as Christ followers, we know that Jesus fulfills the covenant of Moses, and Jesus brings us freedom. And so when we go back to the Bible, the Torah is the first five books, you know, which we often refer to as the Law of Moses. And then the Tanakh brings in, like, the literature, the poetry, the prophets, and a lot of us will just call that the Old Testament, right? That's exactly what it's usually said. But you know when they talks about in Revelation, there's two witnesses? People are always asking, where are the two witnesses? The two witnesses are really easy to understand if you understand the Jewish roots of your faith. The two witnesses are the prophetic and the historian. Daniel is a historian. Isaiah is a prophet. If you jumble them all up together, you can misunderstand what God's trying to say. When you order the books according to the Jewish canon, you actually are looking at the meta-narrative, the big picture, the big story of the Bible in the right context. Because it's not just what you know, it's when you know it that defines what you think is sacred. This is really, really important. The reason that I wrote the Simply Sacred book is because it's not just what you know, but when you learn it that defines what you consider sacred. What your sacred givens are, what you decide are the most important things that are non-compromised, Like you cannot compromise these things. Those are the very things that the Bible is trying to teach you. But when you put all the verses into a blender and mash it up and drink it like a smoothie, you're (laughs) deciding what's important. You got to let God order your steps. And he does that by ordering the way you learn things. Don't think God's got your life out of order. He doesn't. He knows exactly what you need to learn, exactly when you need to learn it, so that you can be a light to the people around you and you can save your family. The great thing about Passover is that you get to save your entire family tree. It's a really beautiful thing that God allows. He allows blood to cling, and blood causes us to cling to each other. He cares about our families. That's the most important thing to me. I just want families to love God together and for brothers to stop killing each other. Amen. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if it was like peace, love, and joy, if that was like actually what the Bible was about instead of apocalypse? I really like the peace, love, and joy angle. Can we do that? (laughs) I just think it's a lot more fun. We're talking to Donya Greenberg on SOS Radio, and she's the author of Simply Sacred. And You and about 30 different Bible scholars really just dug through the Old Testament and the New Testament of the Bible and really said, let's give this a Messianic Jewish perspective and help the rest of the world understand the big picture of what's going on here. And as Christ followers, you know, we follow Jesus as leading in love and always speaking truth, not like 70-30 grace or 70-30 rules and law, but 100% conviction, 100% love and grace, right? And when we really embrace the freedom that Jesus brought, I think as Christ followers, sometimes we say, well, why do I still need to hold on to the law? You know, the Torah, the law of Moses really outlines a lot of those things. And I think a lot of Christ followers feel like I'm completely free from that. You know, there's a couple of authors that have been writing books recently that have said you should unhitch your faith from the old covenant and embrace the new. And that's not really reality when you see the totality of what Jesus was teaching, right? There's a voice of your father in heaven. Like when you hear your father's voice, there should be something in you that stands up straighter. You know what I'm saying? There should be something in you that says, wow, my dad's talking. And I think sometimes when we only look through the one lens of Yeshua and we don't look through the other lens of the father and the father's voice, then we can really lose a part of 
the foundational strength and greatness of God, because God is bigger than any problem you have. And if you can only see him in human form of Yeshua, and you can't see him in the awesome, enormous, mega huge, thundering voice that's in the Old Testament, you're going to look back and say, well, I'm missing a part of my father. It's kind of like saying, if you meet one of my kids, you've met me. Of course, if you meet my kids, they're going to sound like me. They're going to look like me. They might talk like me. They might walk like me, but they're not me. And there is a part of our Heavenly Father's character and a sound of his voice that our world is missing by people ignoring him. And it doesn't mean he's gone anywhere. He's still exactly where he's been the whole time, right next to you. But he can hold you close to your relationship in Yeshua. Just don't push him away because you think he's old news. He's not old news at all. He's a God of wonder and majesty, and he deserves our respect. So Messianic Jews are Christ followers who come from a Jewish heritage. They embrace Jesus as the Messiah that the Old Testament was prophesying and was pointing us to. I mean, it's what we're celebrating through the resurrection. But what do you think a lot of modern Christians miss about the Torah and about the law? It seems like in a lot of our churches, we just look at the law is bad. The law is impossible. What do we do with that? But you see the Messianic Jewish community saying, no, 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 no. We still live by the Torah. Obviously, we don't have the temple worship and all those things because we don't have the temple anymore and we don't do the blood sacrifice anymore because Jesus fulfilled that. But explain your heart on why the Ten Commandments still matter, and why the Mosaic Covenant isn't something that we just push out of the way just because we have freedom in Jesus. The Torah, the first five books of Moses, it's relational equity that you build with God. It's how you build relational value with God. Jewish people study the Bible in a cycle. This is going to sound very intense, but just bear with me for a second. We read it week by week from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah. So from the seventh month of the biblical year to the seventh month of the biblical year. So the first month of the biblical year, we celebrate Passover. That's the spring feast. Six months later, in the seventh month, we celebrate Rosh Hashanah and we start the Torah back at Genesis. So we read Genesis to Genesis every fall. We read through the entire book. Well, as Messianic believers, we also do the same thing with the Gospels. We read the Gospels throughout the year. So we're listening to the words in the walk of Yeshua and we're reading the Torah at the same time. If you gave that a spin, if you learned how to do that, and by the way, we do that on our TLD Journey app, which is available in your app stores. You can get it anytime it's free. And on it, you can find the weekly Bible passages. And believe it or not, Jewish people read the same passages all around the world. They're reading the same one every week. So if you want to join the Commonwealth of Israel, you want to join the Jewish people and read the Bible along with them, along with following your pastor in your church and loving life in Jesus, you will be blown away by how your life will line up with how God is nurturing you through the Word. I was at a conference one time, and I was at this conference, at this, and they were making, you know, they were arguing over, you know, translating something. And I'm just thinking, you know, what are these guys doing? Does it really matter? Like, is it helping you be a better parent to your kid? Like, <laughs> I really don't want to argue over a jot and tittle of the law, thank you. And as I'm sitting there fretting about it, going, God, you know, why do you let people get so wrapped up in this stuff? That was the week we were reading about the Tower of Babel. And I'm like, okay, God, I got it. I know what you're saying. That we don't have to try to all come up with a common language. Like we're all going to figure you out. You've got us figured out. We're looking at this the wrong way. Like I read the Proverbs every single day. Me and my kids read the Proverb of the day. And we have for like 20 years. So I always know what page my kids are on. 
I know what they're thinking about. I know what they're reading. That's how God is with his Jewish people. They have a part of the Bible they read week after week throughout the year, and they always return back to the garden. So it's the first five books again and again and again, because God speaks so clearly all the way up until Joseph. And Joseph was cast away by his brothers, and it says that God was with Joseph. But God never spoke out loud to Joseph the way he did to the patriarchs before him. Just being with Joseph was enough. And that's what it's like with Yeshua. Jesus is the answer. He's the, he's the last of the five steps on this way toward the heart of our Father, right? But in order to really get that, you have to understand that he's veiled and hidden from you until you turn to him. All Jesus does is help us turn back to the Father. That's what he's there for. And you talk about these sacred truths in your book, Simply Sacred. I mean, that's what it's all about. It is. I really would love it if people would just stop labeling each other, and maybe we could just all live life simply sacred. Maybe we could just be set apart, and that's good enough. Maybe we don't have to put labels on each other like jars. Donya, we're walking through Holy Week, and obviously, you know, when you really dig into the Old Testament— you see a lot of things that point to who Jesus is. And we're talking about the fulfillment of all of that. We're talking about the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And we're talking about the death on the cross and Jesus dying for our sins and the resurrection this week. But what is the part of the resurrection story that you think most people miss? I think that the resurrection story is missing the place and the time. The empty tomb is the womb of creation. Rising from the dead is the point of eternal life. That the most desperate circumstance that you're in that feels like the pit that Joseph was in, God totally saved the world through Joseph. Joseph didn't just save the Pharaoh at the time. He ended up being able to save his own family and save the entire world from starvation. When you look at the place of resurrection in your life, God isn't resurrecting your life just for you. He has a plan and a purpose for the good things that he has sown in you, the gifts that he's bringing forth in you, the gift that you are to the world, because you were important enough for God to come himself through the eye of a needle, like the camel through the eye of a needle. That's what he told Nicodemus. He's like, listen, he's like, how can a man be born again? Right? How, how can that happen? Well, Nicodemus knew. I mean, if you go back and read the words, of that story with Nicodemus, you're going to be just blown away if you read it in the TLV. The TLV is available, by the way, free across all kinds of platforms. It's available on version. It's available on our free app. It's available on Bible Gateway. If you can find the TLV somewhere, find it and read the story about Nicodemus. Read the story about the crucifixion and the resurrection. Because in this particular translation, we use something called the historic present tense, which means that we don't talk about the story of Jesus as if it already happened. We tell it in real time, like the language of the time is. And it's like reading a play-by-play. You're in the middle of the story. And that's how real salvation is. Salvation is not a past tense thing that you go back and visit. It's something that happens in your active everyday life that you bring the kingdom of God into the lives of people by being the other witness to their salvation. It's just the coolest thing in the world to love God the way that we do and to be able to share that with everyone that we need. The Tree of Life version really highlights the Hebrew roots of Christianity and allows us just to really get more insight to that. You had teams and teams and teams of Jewish scholars and New Testament scholars that have really been digging into this for years. 
Yeah, it was the most amazing, wonderful thing to do. I'm so grateful that God loved us enough to let us come together to put this project together because we wanted a Bible that parents and children could read together. You know what it's like when people try to dig deep into one word and then they miss the whole picture? (laughs) They're so busy looking for, you know, they're so busy straining the gnats that they can't see. You just can't read the Bible that way. Fall in love with the story of God's love for humanity. And you'll see that forgiveness is, it's just the best gift God ever gives. As a matter of fact, the word forgiveness, the first time it shows up in the Bible is in the story of Joseph when he forgave his brothers. Did you know the word forgiveness doesn't exist with Abraham and Noah and Adam and Eve? Do you realize that? The word forgiven doesn't show up until Joseph, until Jacob's gone. It doesn't show up until his brothers are worried that they're going to leave him behind and they're going to be angry at him. And he just weeps like Yeshua wept. He's such a great type and shadow of the way that Jesus loves us. He doesn't want you walking around feeling guilty and feeling like a loser and feeling like you can't have the life that you dreamed of and you long for. God wants to redeem everything in your life. And resurrection is a redemptive act because you get your life back and it's better than it was before. It's not just payback. It's forgiveness. You've been given for before you even knew you needed him. He was already given before. He loves you that much. I just want the world to know about our Bible. I really, really want people to feel free to teach the truth to their children. Because we so often give teaching the most innocent among us away to people we barely know. And I just want parents to feel able and capable and loved enough by God to bring their own children to a saving knowledge of Messiah before they make the same mistakes their parents made. That's why you can't give up on the Old Testament. Because it's like saying what your parents have to say doesn't matter. And that's exactly the opposite of the gospel. Jesus said, anybody that says this is holy, it's set apart, it's, you know, I'm not going to help my parents. Anytime you break the law, God's not into that. He's giving you a way out and a way to lead your children out into the light. Why would you not take that seriously? And I'm just telling you, it's so important. This is funny, but the children of Israel, that's what we're called the whole Bible. We're never called the adults of Israel. (laughs) We're always his children. Okay? That's the best title ever. You're not better as an adult of Israel. You're best as a child. You're best. You're in your best place when you call him daddy. And nobody calls Jesus daddy, right? And that's why you can't give up on the Old Testament. Boom. By the way. There's a truth bomb right there. Boom. That was it. You and me just hit the nut of this whole thing. You just hit the nut of that whole argument. Oh my gosh, I've never said that before. That is awesome. That was a God thing right there. That's why you can't throw away the Old Testament because you don't call Jesus daddy. Whoa! Don't call your lover, the bridegroom, the daddy. Oh, yeah, baby. Use that. I love you, man. Use that. That was awesome. We're talking about the Hebrew perspective on the resurrection today on SWS Radio with Donya Greenberg. She leads the Tree of Life Bible Society. She comes from a Messianic Jewish background. And this week, we're talking a lot about Jesus' love for us and all his radical grace. But in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus always says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. That verb actually means turn from your sin, like head in a new direction, a new trajectory. And as Christians, we want to speak life to people. We want to also be an encouragement. We want to love people the life, but there is that part where sin separated us from God. And so we can't make this a message of 70% love and 30% conviction when we're talking to people who don't know Jesus. 
Yeah, but how do you love and grace people who abuse kids? How do you love and grace that stuff, man? It says again and again and again in the Proverbs. I'm telling you, read the Proverbs every day. It will blow your mind. He tells it again and again and again and again that sin and iniquity do not go unpunished. I never saw Jesus punish anybody. God exists. and He does not suffer fools. He just doesn't. It is wrong teaching to tell people that love and grace is the only thing that matters. It's not. Otherwise, there's no penalty for sin. His death would mean nothing. You, you can't say that. Listen, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I was saved in a jail cell. I know what salvation is. I was the worst of the worst. I got saved through reading my Bible. No joke. I got saved reading it. And when I first started reading it, I had to read it every day for three hours a day because I was a mess. And I ended up getting pregnant and I couldn't abort this one. I just knew I'd given my heart to Jesus. The guy wanted to marry me happened to be Jewish. That's my story. It's not more complicated than that. I decided to choose life one time and God changed my life 180 degrees. And that's what he does. But you cannot, you cannot rule out the penalty of sin or else the life sacrifice that Jesus gave means nothing. I'll hear people say all the time, oh, the law was unfulfillable. That's why Jesus had to come. Yeah, he fulfilled that, but we're not bound by that as Christ followers. The blood of Jesus covers us, so unhitch your faith from that. But it's like, no. Donnie, can you explain why Messianic Jesus followers still follow the law of the Torah? The laws of the Torah are still in effect, meaning that it's still wrong to commit incest. It's still wrong to murder your brother. It's still wrong to speak against your parents. It's still wrong. It's the penalty for those wrongs that's been paid to Yeshua, not that the wrong is no longer wrong. There are things that are wrong that you shouldn't do that are not healthy for you. They're not healthy for your body or they're not healthy for your mind or they're not healthy for your spirit. The Bible is all about keeping you healthy, body, soul, and spirit. That's what the Bible is about. God's trying to save you from conception to the end of your life. He's trying to get across to you that he loves you. Of course he loves you. He doesn't want you doing things that hurt you. He doesn't want you doing things that hurt each other. The first half of the Ten Commandments are your relationship with God. The second half is a mirror. They're your relationships with each other. God gives creative love, right? He creates with his love. When God's in the middle of a relationship between a man and a woman, he creates life. But then there's also brotherly love, and that's the love between siblings. The love between siblings is not the same as the love between mommy and daddy. They're not the same. They're two different kinds of love. One is creative and one is brotherly. When you mix those two up is when we get confused. And that's all I'm trying to say is that you cannot throw out the laws because they're health to your body health to your spirit. You just need to read them for yourself and follow them as best you can, knowing that if you made a mistake, God can forgive you and can clean your heart with the blood of Jesus. But it doesn't make those things okay. We're talking to Donya Greenberg on SWS Radio today, and she has a book. It's called Simply Sacred. Thanks for sharing with us today. You've been wonderful. You've really been a delight to talk to, Scott. I've talked to you anytime. You just called the Bible lady up anytime. Thanks for downloading the SOS Radio Podcast. If you enjoy the discussion, give it a five-star rating in your app store. The way the technology works, your ratings really help spread the word.